Chapter Eight of the Tinted Venus by F. Anstey. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Don W. Jenkins. Chapter Eight, Between the Devil and the Deep Sea. Some, when they take revenge, are desirous the party should know whence it cometh. This is the more generous. Bacon. In the Tottenham Court Road was a certain commercial dining-room, where Leander occasionally took his evening meal after the conclusion of his day's work, and where Mr. Freemolt was accustomed to take his supper on leaving the British Museum Library. To this eating-house Leander repaired the very next evening, urged by a consuming desire to learn the full particulars of the adventure which his prototype in misfortune had met with it was an unpretending little place with the bill of fare wafered to the door and red curtains in the windows setting off a display of joints cauliflowers and red herrings he passed through into a long low room with dark brown grained walls partitioned off in the usual manner and taking a seat in a box facing the door he ordered dinner from one of the shirt-sleeved attendants the first glance had told him that the man he wished to see was not there but he knew he must come in before long, and, in fact, before Leander's food could be brought, the old scholar made his appearance. He was hardly a man of attractive exterior, being of a yellow complexion, with a stubbly chin, and lank iron-gray locks. He wore a tall and superannuated hat with a staring nap, and the pockets of his baggy coat bulged with documents. Altogether he did not seem exactly the person to be an authority on the subject of Venus but as the hairdresser was aware he had the reputation of being a mine of curious and out-of-the-way information though few thought it worth their while to work him he gained a living however by hack-work of various descriptions and was in slightly better circumstances than he allowed to appear as he passed slowly along the central passage in his usual state of abstraction leander touched him eagerly on the sleeve come in here mr freemolt sir he said there's room in this box it's the barber is it said the old man what do you want me to eat with you for eh why for the pleasure of your company sir of course said leander politely well said the old gentleman sitting down while documents bristled out of him in all directions there are not many who would say that not many now don't you say so mr freemolt sir i'm sure it's a benefit if only for your conversation i often say i never meet mr freemolt without i learn something i do indeed then we must have met less often than i had imagined now you're too modest sir you really are a scholar like you too talking of scholarship you'll be gratified to hear that that title you were good enough to suggest for the regenerator is having quite a surprising success i disposed of five bottles over the counter only yesterday these old scholars was his wily reflection like being flattered up does that mean you've another beastly bottle you want me to stand godfather to growled the ungrateful old gentleman oh no indeed sir it's only but perhaps you'll allow me previously the honour of sending out for whatever beverage you was thinking of washing down your boiled beef with sir do you know who i am mr freemolt burst out i'm a scholar and gentleman enough to still drink at my own expense 
i intended no offence i'm sure sir it was only meant in a friendly way that is the offence sir that is the offence but there we'll say no more about it you can't help your profession and i can't help my prejudices what was it you wanted to ask me well said leander i was desirous of getting some information respecting <coughs> a party by the name of if i've caught the foreign pronunciation haphrodite otherwise known as venus do you happen to have heard tell of her have i had a classical education sir or haven't i heard of her of course i have but why in the name of mythology any hairdresser living should trouble his head about aphrodite passes my comprehension leave her alone sir it's her who won't leave me alone thought meander but he did not say so i've a very particular reason for wishing to know and i'm sure if you could tell me all you'd heard about her i'd take it very kind of you want to pick my brains well you wouldn't be the first but i am here sir to rest my brain and refresh my body not to deliver peripatetic lectures to hairdressers on grecian mythology well said leander i never meant you to give your information peripatetic i'm willing to go as far as half a crown conf but there what's the good of being angry with you is this the sort of thing you want for your half crown aphrodite a later form of the assyrian astarte the daughter according to some theogonies of zeus and dione others have it that she was the offspring of the foam of the sea which gathered round the fragments of the mutilated uranus that don't seem so likely do it sir said leander if you're going to crop in with idiotic remarks i shall confine myself to my supper don't stop mr freemolt sir it's most instructive i'm attending but the old gentleman after a manner he had was sunk in a dreamy abstraction for the moment in which he apparently lost the thread as he resumed whereupon zeus to punish her gave her in wedlock to his deformed son hephaestus she never mentioned him to me thought leander but i suppose she's a widow goddess by this time i'm sure i hope so home mr freemolt was saying she deceived upon several occasions notably in the case of and here he launched into a scandalous chronicle which determined leander more than ever that matilda must never know he had entertained a personage with such a past angered by her indiscretions zeus inspired her with love for a mortal man poor devil said leander involuntarily and what became of him sir there were several thus distinguished amongst others anchises adonis Cineras. of these the first was struck by lightning the second slain by a wild boar and the third is reputed to have perished in a contest with apollo they don't seem to have no luck any of them was leander's depressed conclusion aphrodite or venus as you choose to call her took a prominent part in the trojan war the origin of which ten years struggle may be traced to a certain golden apple what an old rag-bag it is thought leander i'm only wasting money on him he's like a bran pie at a fancy fair what you get out of him is always the thing you didn't want no no mr freemolt he said with some impatience leave out about the war and the apple it it isn't either of them as i wanted to hear about then i have done said the old man curtly you've had considerably more than half a crown's worth as it is look here mr freemolt said the reckless hairdresser 
if you can't give me no better value i don't mind laying out another sixpence in questions put your questions then by all means and i'll give you your fair sixpenworth of answers now then i'm ready for you what's your difficulty out with it why said leander in no small confusion isn't there a story somewhere of a statue of venus as some young man a long time back it was of course was said to have put his ring on and do you know the rights of it i i can't remember how it ended myself wait a bit sir i think i do remember something of the legend you refer to you found it in the earthly paradise i make no doubt i found it in russerwich gardens leander very nearly blurted out but he stopped himself and said instead i don't think i've ever been there sir not to remember it well well you're no lover of poetry that's very evident but the story is there yes yes and burton has a version of it too in his anatomy how does it go give my head a minute to clear and i'll tell you ha i have it it was something like this there was a certain young gentleman of rome who on his wedding day went out to play tennis and in the tennis court was a brass statue of the goddess venus mine ought to be brass from her goings-on thought leander and while he played he took off his finger-ring and put it upon the statue's hand a mighty foolish act as you will agree ah said leander shaking his head you may say that what next sir he became excited to find that he really was on the right track at last why when the game was over and he came to get his ring he found he couldn't get it off again ha ha and the old man chuckled softly and then relapsed once more into silence yes yes mr freemolt sir i'm a-listening it's very funny only do go on go on where was i hadn't i finished ah to be sure well so paris gave her the apple you see i didn't understand you to allude to no apple said his puzzled hearer and it was at rome i thought not paris bring your mind more to it sir we'd got to the ring not coming off the statue i know sir i know my mind's clear enough let me tell you that very night as i was about to say if you'd had patience to hear me venus stepped in and parted the unfortunate pair it was a apple just now you aggravating old muddle ed said leander internally venus informed the young man that he had betrothed himself to her by that ring same game exactly thought the pupil and and in short she led him such a life for some nights that he could bear it no longer so at length he repaired to a certain mighty magician called let me see what was his name again it wasn't agrippa was it albertus odd it has escaped me for the moment never mind sir call him jones i will not call him jones sir i had it on my tongue there palumbus palumbus it was well palumbus told him the goddess would never cease to trouble him unless he could get back the ring unless he could get back the ring leander's heart began to beat high the solution of his difficulty was at hand it was something to know for certain that upon recovery of the ring the goddess's power would be at an end it only remained to find out how the other young man managed it yes mr freemolt he said interrogatively for the old gentleman had run down again i was only thinking it out to resume then no sooner had the magician whose name as i said was apollonius came to the wedding than he promptly conjectured the bride to be a serpent 
whereupon she vanished incontinently after the manner of serpents with the house and furniture haven't you missed out a lot sir inquired leander deferentially because it don't seem to me to hook on quite what became of venus and the ring how the dickens am i to tell you if you will interrupt ring what ring why yes the magician gave the young man a certain letter and told him to go to a particular crossroad outside the city at dead of night and wait for saturn to pass by in procession with his fallen associates this he did and presented the magician's letter which saturn after having read called venus to him who was riding in front and commanded her to deliver up the ring here he stopped as if he had nothing to add and did she sir asked leander breathlessly did she what give up the ring of course she did haven't i been saying so why not well observed leander so that's how he got out of it was it ha he was a lucky chap those were the days when magicians did a good trade i suppose should you say there are any such parties now on the quiet like eh sir bah magic is a lost art degraded to dark seances and juvenile parties the last magician dead for more than two hundred years don't expose your ignorance sir by any more such questions no said leander i thought as much and so if anyone was to get into such a fix nowadays of course that's only my talk but if they did there ain't a practising magician anywhere to help him out of it that's your opinion ain't it sir as the danger of such a contingency is not immediate was the reply the want of a remedy need not in my humble opinion cause you any grave uneasiness no agreed leander dejectedly i don't care of course i was only thinking that in case but there it's no odds well mr freemolt you've told me what i was curious to know and here's your little honorarium sir two shillings and two sixpences making three shillings in all precisely keep your money sir said the old man with contemptuous good humour my working hours are done for the day and you're welcome enough to any instruction you're capable of receiving from my remarks it's not saying much i dare say oh you told it very clear considering sir i'm sure i don't grudge it keep it i tell you and say no more about it so expressing his thanks leander left the place and when he was outside felt more keenly than ever the blow his hopes had sustained he knew the whole story of his predecessor in misfortune now and as a precedent it was worse than useless true for an instant a wild idea had crossed his mind of seeking some lonely suburban crossroad at dead of night just to see if anything came of it the last time was several hundred years ago it seems he told himself but there's no saying that satan mightn't come by for all that here's venus persecuting as lively as ever and i never heard the devil was dead i've a good mind to take the tram to the archway and walk out till i find a likely-looking place but on reflection he gave this up if he did come by i couldn't bring him a line not even from the conjurer in high Oborn, and satan might make me put my hand to something binding and i shouldn't be no better off no i don't see no way of getting back my ring and poor tilly's cloak nor yet getting rid of that goddess any more than before there's one comfort i can't be any worse off than i am oppressed by these gloomy reflections he returned to his home expecting a renewal of his nightly persecution from the goddess but from some cause into which he was too grateful to care to inquire 
the statue that evening showed no sign of life in his presence and after waiting with the cupboard open for some time in suspense he ventured to make himself some coffee he had scarcely tasted it however before he heard from the passage below a low whistle followed by the peculiar stave by which a modern low-life blondel endeavours to attract attention the hairdresser paid no attention being used as a londoner to hearing such signals and not imagining they could be intended for his ear but presently a handful of gravel rattled against his window and the whistle was repeated he went to the window cautiously and looked out below there were two individuals rather carefully muffled their faces which were only indistinctly seen were upturned to him he retreated trembling he had had so much to think of lately that the lethal danger he was running by harboring the detested statue was almost forgotten but now he remembered the inspector's words and his legs bent beneath him could these people be detectives is that mr twaddle up there said a voice below because if it is he'd better come down double quick and let us in that's all there don't you skulk up there added a coarser voice we know you're there and if you don't come down to us why we'll come up to you this brought leander forward again gentlemen he said leaning out and speaking in an agitated whisper for goodness sake what do you want with me you let us in and we'll tell you will it do if i come down and speak to you outside said leander there was a consultation between the two at this and at the end of it the first man said it's all the same to us where we have our little confabulation come down and look sharp about it leander came down taking care to shut the street door behind him you ain't the police he said apprehensively they each took an arm and walked him roughly off between them towards queen square we'll show you who we are they said i-i demand your authority for this gasped leander what am i charged with they had brought him to the gloomiest part of the square where the houses used as offices in the daytime were now dark and deserted here they jammed him up against the railings and stood guard over him while he was alarmed to perceive a suppressed ferocity in the faces of both what are you charged with Urgh for arf a pint i'd knock your bloomin ed in said the coarser gentleman of the two an evasive form of answer which did not seem to promise a pleasant interview leander was not naturally courageous and what he had gone through lately had shaken his nerves he thought that for policemen they showed too strong a personal feeling but who else could they be he could not remember having seen either of them before one was a tall burly heavy-jawed man the other smaller and slighter and apparently the superior of the two in education and position you don't remember me i see said the latter and then suddenly changing his tone to a foreign accent he said have you been since to drink a glass of beer at your open-air gardens in rostrovitch leander knew him then it was his foreign customer of monday evening his face was clean-shaven now and his expression changed not for the better i think he said faintly i had the privilege of cutting your air the other evening you did my friend and i admired your taste in the fine arts this gentleman and i have on talking it over been so struck by what i saw that evening that we ventured to call and inquire about it look here count said his companion there ain't time for all that perliteness 
you leave him to me i'll talk to him now then you white-livered little airy sneak do you know who we are no said leander and excuse me calling your attention to it but you're pinching my arm i'll pinch it off before i've done said the burly man well we're the men that have planned and strived and run all the risk that you and your gang might cut in and carry off our honest earnings you infernal little hair-cutting shrimp you to think of being beaten by the likes of you it's sickening that's what it is sickening i don't understand you as i live gentlemen i don't understand you pleaded leander you understand us well enough said the ex-foreigner with an awful imprecation on all leander's salient features but you shall have it all in black and white we're the party that invented and carried out that little job at Bricklesmarsh court burglars do you mean you're burglars cried the terrified leander we started as burglars but we've only finished by being made cat's paws of by you curse you didn't think we should find you out did you but if you wanted to keep us in the dark you made two awkward little slips one was leaving your name and address at the gardens as the party who was supposed to have last seen the statue and the other was keeping the said statue standing about in your hair-cutting room to meet the eye of any gentleman calling out of curiosity and never expecting such a find as that what's the good of jawing at him count that won't satisfy me it won't here i can't hold myself off him any longer i must put a head on him but the other interposed patience my good braddle no violence leave him to me he's a devilish deep fellow and deserves all respect here he shook leander like a rat you've stolen a march on us you condemned little hair-dressing ape you how did you do it out with it how the devil did you do it for the love of heaven gents pleaded leander without reflecting that he might have found a stronger inducement don't use violence how did i do what count i can't answer for myself said the man addressed as braddle i shall send a bullet into him if you don't let me work it off with fists i know i shall keep quiet said his superior sternly don't you see i'm quiet and he twisted his knuckles viciously into leander's throat if you call out you're a corpse i wasn't thinking of calling out indeed i wasn't i'm quite satisfied with being where i am said leander if you'd only leave me a little more room to choke in and tell me what i've done to put you both in such tremendous tempers done you cur when you're no well enough you've taken the bread out of our mouths the bread we'd earned do you suppose we left out that statue in the gardens for the like of you who put you up to it how many were there in it what do you mean to do now you've got it speak out or i swear i'll cut your heart out and throw it over the railings for the tomcats i will you the man called braddle as he uttered his threat looked so very anxious to execute it that leander gave himself up for lost as true as i stand here gentlemen i didn't steal that statue i doubt you're not the build for taking the lead in that sort of thing said the count but you were in it you went down that saturday as a blind deny it if you dare leander did not dare i could not help myself gentlemen he faltered who said you could and you can't help yourself now either so make a clean breast of it who are you standing in with is it potter's lot 
if leander had declared himself to be alone things might have gone harder with him and they certainly would never have believed him so he said it was potter's luck i told you potter was after that marble and you wouldn't have it count growled brattle now you're satisfied the count comprised potter and his lot in a new and original malediction by way of answer and then said to leander did potter tell you to let that venus stand where all the world might see it i had no discretion said the hairdresser i'm not responsible indeed gents no discretion i should think you hadn't nor potter either acting the dog in the manger like this where'll he find his market for it eh what orders have you got when are you going to get it across i've no notions i haven't received no directions said leander a nice sort of mug you are to be trusted with a job like this said brattle i did think potter was better up in his work i did a pretty bungle he'll make of it it would serve him right for interfering with fellow professionals in this infernal unprincipled manner but he shan't have the chance brattle he shan't have the chance we'll steal a march on him this time is the coast clear yet said brattle we must risk it we shall find a route for it never fear was the reply now you cursed hairdresser you listen to what i'm going to tell you that venus is our lawful property and by thunder we mean to get her into our hands again do you hear that leander heard and with delight so long as he could once get free from the presence of the statue and out of the cross-fire of burglars and police he was willing by this time to abandon the cloak and ring i can truly say i hope you'll be successful gents he replied we don't want your hopes we want your help you must round on potter must i gents said leander well to oblige you whatever it costs me i will round on potter take care you stick to that said brattle the next point count is how we're to get her come in and take her away now said leander eagerly she'll be quiet i, I mean the house'll be quiet now you'll be very welcome i assure you i won't interfere you're a bright chap to go in for a profession like ours said mr brattle with intense disgust how do you suppose we're to do it take her to pieces eh, and bring her along in our pockets do you think we're flats enough to run the chance of being seen in the streets by a copper loading that ere statue along we must have the light cart again and a sack said the count it's too late to-night and it ain't safe in the daytime said brattle we're wanted for that job at camberwell that puts it on to-morrow evening but suppose potter has fixed the same time here you know has potter fixed the same time the count demanded from leander no said leander potter ain't said nothing to me about moving her then are you man enough to undertake potter if he starts the idea are you come yes gents i'll manage potter you break in any time after midnight and i engage you shall find the venus on the premises but we want more than that of you you know we mustn't lose any time over this job you must be ready at the door to let us in and bear a hand with her down to the cart but this did not suit leander's views at all he was determined to avoid all personal risks and to be caught helping burglars to carry off the aphrodite would be fatal he was recovering his presence of mind 
as his tormentors had sensibly relaxed he was able to take steps for his own security i beg pardon gents he said but i don't want to appear on this myself there's potter you see he's a hawful man to go against you know what potter is yourselves potter was really coming in quite usefully he began to think well i don't suppose potter would make more bones about slitting your throat than we should if he knew you'd played him false said the count but we can't help that in a place like this it's too risky to break in when we can be let in if you'll only excuse me taking an active part said leander it's all i ask this is my plan gentlemen you see that little archway there where my finger points well that leads by a small alley to a yard back of my saloon you can leave your cart there and come round as safe as you please i'll have the winder in my saloon unfastened and put the statue where you can get her easy but i don't want to be mixed up in it further than that that seems fair enough said the count provided you keep it but suppose it's a plant growled brattle suppose he's planning to lay a trap for us suppose we get in to find potter and his lot on the lookout for us or break into a house that's full of bloomin coppers i didn't think of that but i believe our friend knows that if he doesn't act square with me his life isn't worth a bent pin and besides he can't warn the police without getting himself into more or less hot water so i think he'll see the wisdom of doing what he's told i do said leander i do gentlemen i'd sooner die than deceive you vera said the count you'll find it come to the same thing no added brattle if you blow the gaff on us my bloomin i'll saw that puddin head of yours right off your shoulders and swing for it cheerful leander shuddered amongst what desperate ruffians had his unlucky stars led him how would it all end he wondered feebly how well gentlemen he said with his teeth chattering if you don't want me any more i'll go in and i'm to expect you to-morrow evening i believe expect us when you hear us said brattle and if you make fools of us again and he described consequences which exceeded in unpleasantness the worst that leander could have imagined the poor man tottered back to his room again in a most unenviable frame of mind not even the prospect of being delivered from the goddess could reconcile him to the price he must pay for it he was going to take a plunge into downright crime now and if his friend the inspector came to hear of it ruin must follow and in any case the cloak and the ring would be gone beyond recovery while these cut-throat housebreakers would henceforth have a hold over him they might insist upon steeping him in blacker crime still and he knew he would never have the courage to resist as he thought of the new difficulties and dangers that encompassed him round about he was frequently on the verge of tears and his couch that night was visited by dreadful dreams in which he sought audience of the evil one himself at crossroads was chased over half london by police and dragged over the other half by burglars to be finally flattened by the fall of aphrodite end of chapter eight read by don w jenkins rancho san diego california shaggybark.blogspot.com